Hello and welcome to the Institute of World Vision podcast. Today is going to be a longer show. This is why I'll be extra quick here in the beginning. We are happy to bring to you a panel discussion from a recent webinar we held. Two couples who served a lifetime in the work of mission came together to share what they know works best for missionary families. They are Willie and Elaine Oliver, who serve as co-directors of the General Conference Family Department. Together with them are Gordon and Cheryl Doss. Cheryl, by the way, hosted the conversation. Before letting you in on that episode, on that interview, let me remind you that on the IWM website, in the webinar section, you can find video recordings of all our past webinars, as well as announcements of the upcoming ones. And what's coming up is a webinar on July the 9th. It will be about homeschooling children in the mission field. Don't miss that webinar coming on July 9th. On the podcast here, next week we'll feature a new interview in our Thinking Biblically series. We'll take a look at God's cross-cultural mission and its lessons found in the New Testament. You won't want to miss it, coming up next Wednesday. With this, let me take you to today's presentation titled How You and Your Spouse can go strong as a couple through a crisis. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. So as we think about um, what's going on in the world today, I know, Willie, you're a sociologist, and, and you think in the broad terms, you see sociology looks at how, how are systems working, how are societies working, what, what do you see happening uh, that's affecting uh, marriages and families around the world? Well, when you look at, uh, at the world through sociological lenses, what you see is um, an interconnection of systems. You have uh, the health system, you have the economy, you have uh, the family as a primary group, you have all kinds of things that are just melting and disintegrating before our very eyes. And uh, so this has caused a lot of uh, disruption, anxiety, depression, all kinds of uncertainty because as human beings, we're all about homeostasis. How can we live life where we feel comfortable, balanced, we have enough food, we have uh, shelter over our heads, we have uh, the resources to pay for these services. And what COVID has done, it has in fact challenged all these conventions that we are so used to. So there's been a a sort of um, even psychological meltdown because as human beings we have emotions and we respond to all these to all this stimuli that's happening and uh, with uncertainty uh, comes tension and that's where we are right now many of you are are missionaries and you are away from uh, what you are familiar with of course those of you who've been gone for many years well it's not so bad because you are familiar with that territory. But for those of you who are new in these countries, a year, two years, even three years, you're not sure what's going to happen. Are you going to ever be able to get back home and that kind of stuff? So it's the destabilization of society, of the systems in society, which impact the family in a, in a specific way. And, and we're sensing that right now. And, and Elaine, you're a marriage and family therapist, and so I'm sure you see this impact as it is very specific to the family. What's going on with, with the families today? Yeah, so based on what Willie was saying about all the systems just um, imploding and the panic and the anxiety, that creates tension. And it primarily creates tension because um, within the dyad, as we call it, within the couple, each one handles their stress differently. And the reality is, is that opposites always attract before marriage. And once we get married, we repel 
each other, right? Because we want the other person to respond and to react in the same way that we do. So one spouse might handle stress, the stress and the uncertainty by saying, okay, we've got to put our world in order. We have to make sure that we have a living will. We have to get the finances together. We have to order the house, you know, put everything in order while the other one is strung out and saying, that's not important. We need to spend more time together. We have to gather the kids around us or, or the other person may not even be able to cope. And the very organized person is saying, what's the problem? You know, if you would just get everything together, then we could manage this better. So that's creating conflict in itself. But there's also something else that's really important about what's happening to our families. And that is that we've all been living somewhat on the periphery of marriage and family. We've been doing just enough to get by, but because of our work and being outside of the home, we thought it was a lot. But now we're together 24-7 and we're kind of like, oh, this is a lot. This is a lot of time together. And we don't have the distraction, if you will, of work and ministry and um, all the other activities we've been doing, convincing ourselves that we've actually been doing family well. And that is creating a lot of stress for many couples and families. Yeah, you know, and I think, uh, Gordon, I think of us uh, living uh, in Malawi, we were living in a rather isolated place. But when we had illness, what did we do? I mean, when there was stress and tri trials around us, how did we handle that? How, how can people handle that? <clears throat> we relied on our friends as best we could. We drove at quite a distance for medical care. Um, we were surrounded by loving, caring local people who prayed with us and strengthened us. But we, we were still cast upon our own resources quite a bit. We didn't have COVID, but we had some health crises in our family, and they, they exacted a price. And we, we paid that price for a few years of, of those, those uh, health crises. And that price had really affected the marriage a yeah. bit too, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How, do you, how do you deal with it? In our case, I became convinced after being six years there that we just, we just had to go back to the States. And Cheryl didn't want to go. She would mm -hmm. stay yeah. off. Yeah. So we did go back and we were here in the States for a while and we went back to the, actually stayed in the same house for 10 more years. Malawi was the right place for us to live. But that the upset of that health crisis was kind of a disruptor. And God helped us through it. Here's the, the spiritual lesson perhaps, um, even though Maybe I wanted to go home prematurely. Mm -hmm. uh, God saw us through, and we went back and, and had a 10 more years of service in Malawi. So it isn't a time to give up and say, well, we've had this crisis, we've been sick. God will see us through. So, so that's exactly, Elaine, what you were talking about there, is that for many of us, we've had distractions that have helped us cope. We've, we've, we, we go off to the office, we get in our routines, we go to school, we go to the office, whatever. And that has kind of, now that we're stuck kind of in the same place together all day, every day, or there isn't the usual routines, you know, how does that affect a marriage? What, what changes have to happen for that to work? We were really, if I could just yeah. interject, we were really much cast on our own resources. It yeah. was the two of us. Yeah. We had good friends mm -hmm. who were helpful to us. But there was no professional counseling available in the country at the time. At the time. Yeah. We, it was the two of us who were coping as best we could. And so we do have missionaries who are, you know, in isolated places like that. Others who are in big cities, maybe there's a language barrier or so on. So that, that sense of isolation can be huge. And I know even people in their home country who have been just together in their own house have felt that. Cheryl, if I may say, uh, you know, this is the advantage we have as, as Christians, as people who are believers. And uh, this is not the first time that we've had crisis in the world and that the people of God have, have had to go through, through crisis. Mm -hmm. I, I think about Paul, the apostle, and uh, missionary journeys and, and how much trouble he faced. Uh, 
I, I reference 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9 that says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, yes. perplexed, but not driven to despair, yeah. struck down, but not destroyed. And in essence, what Paul is saying is, as the people of God, we are resilient, you know, resilient. And for those of you who are not familiar with that, with that word, resilience really is like a tennis ball. You know, if you uh, ever play tennis, and if you've ever watched a tennis match, you know, they hit that tennis ball very hard. If you watch a professional match, it could be over 100 miles an hour. When a little tennis ball gets hit, it, it kind of crushes and then mm. it goes back. Right. Resilience. And I believe that as Christians, as the people of God, and especially as missionaries who've gone out to share the good news of the gospel, we need to uh, be heartened by that good news. We need to spend time in the Word of God and remind ourselves that the God of Paul and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still alive today, and He is the one who will see us through. It's not that there's going to be no trouble, but He will see us through if we keep trusting, if we feel, keep connected, and we recognize that we're not alone. Yeah, I, I, I love that. That's one of my favorite passages, um, as you know. And another one is, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And so it's really important to do what you both just described, Cheryl and Gordon. Um, and that was you turn towards each other because there wasn't anyone else to turn to. You turn towards each other and you turn to God. And I think that too often as Christians, we, um, we pray and we do believe in God, but we're still searching for other help. And you mentioned something that there weren't any counselors. So you had no choice but to turn to God um, and to each other. And that's where we find ourselves right now during this pandemic is a new opportunity for us to renew our an intimate relationship with God as a couple. You yeah. know, yes, we may have our private spiritual lives, but as a couple, and I will say that even during this pandemic, Willie and I have gone back to extending our worship time together. Yeah. Um, prior to the pandemic, we would get up every morning and we would pray together. But um, now that we're home and not traveling and not rushing every day to get to the office, we're spending a good 30, 40 minutes every morning in worship together you know, in addition to our own private devotional time. So this is really a good opportunity. And it might seem a little scary to people because usually in our, um, our marriage, we're, we may be at different places spiritually, but mm -hmm. that's okay. We can still minister to each other and be patient with each other, but just go to the Lord in prayer. And that's not a trite thing. I get a little frustrated sometimes, even with Christians, when they ask us, what should we do? And this is a question that has come to Willie and I so much during this pandemic. And we will say, the first thing we say is to pray. And then most people, even Christian leaders will say, okay, what should we do in addition to pray? <laughs> in addition to prayer. And we say, pray some more. <laughs> because our prayers are going to do not just help us spiritually, but yes, people of God, our prayers are going to help us psychologically and physiologically. And so God created us. And so who else would we turn to but the creator? So I love the fact that you stressed the, fact, the point that when you were going through a hardship, you realized, wow, it's just the two of us and God. And that's where we have to, it, I know folks, it's a little scary because we really have not been spending so much time together and we're thinking, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? This is the time to turn towards each other and to hold each other close and to bring God closer into our circle. So let's just complicate this just a little bit. 
for those of us whose children are out of the home, that's one thing to spend time together. But for many people, they have children in the home. How does that work? You know, uh, I know you can have worship just so long with children. <laughs> yeah. So what do, what what do we do? What do we say to the families that still have a number of children? And and this can be complex because they may be young and all the way up to young adults. Yeah. So, you know. so just just to add detail to it, we have two children who each have two children, and so our four grandchildren have gone through this it, with their parents, with each other in their parents. Both families have been trying to be very careful and conservative in protecting the family from COVID. And we, we have witnessed a number of things. And uh, fortunately, our, da- our daughter and our daughter-in-law are, uh, actually all four of our kids are te- trained teachers. So it wasn't such a step forward to homeschool. But then another level of complexity is that not all parents uh, are trained teachers and feel comfortable with doing teaching. And so, yeah, how do we handle that situation? Well, I'll, I'll jump in real quickly um, about the, because you mentioned something about the worship thing. So I'm going to tell you from our own experience, um, you're going to have to get up earlier than your kids. It's as simple as that. And it's hard. I mean, I remember when our kids were eight and five and our lives, we had experienced two moves in two years in the middle of a school year. And I know you missionary people are saying, ah, that's nothing. We moved across the sea. You just moved a few um, hours down the coast. It's still a move and it's still disruptive to the family. And our kids' lives were in upheaval. They had to leave their friends and their school and family. And I was in upheaval. And um, we just couldn't seem to figure out how to like, have family worship in the morning. And we found ourselves just floundering, you know, just scattered. And we got up one day, the Holy Spirit just moved me to say, Elaine, I know you're a sleepyhead and you like to sleep in late but you're going to have to get up early and have spent some time with me to just calm yourself. And I am not a morning person. And as you can see, I got here five minutes before. Um, and, but actually, I've been up since five. But, but the Lord woke me up. And I asked him and I prayed and I said, Lord, I just, I need you to wake me up. And so I got up before Willie. I got up before the kids and I had some private time. Maybe it's not going to be 30 minutes, but um Actually, I did start having like hour-long worship times because I knew I needed it for sanity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we started having, we would have our devotionals and then we would call the kids. And then, right, then that worship, depending on the age of your kids, our worship time was five, ten minutes with the children, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the things we did with them was we started a, a process and Willie can take over there because it was really his idea after doing some work with the Value Genesis research. Well, you know that uh, Value Genesis, uh, the research says that it's not only having family worship that uh, works to uh, pass your your faith on to your children and your values, but shared family worship, where every member of the family gets to own the process for themselves. So our kids were five and eight, old enough to own the process because it needs to God needs to become their God not their mother's God or their father's God but their God and our our worship uh, was really simple Uh, we had uh, prayer requests we had prayer praises and uh, we sung a couple of songs and we either did a bible text or a devotional you know a short children's devotional something that was spiritual and when we had when we when we spoke about praises that was always a good thing kids would say what they were happy about what what was good what was happening that they liked and um, as they got a little older and of course by five and eight they're both in school julian in pre-k at that time and then soon after in first grade or kindergarten and um, they would say well you know i have a spelling test today or i have uh, a math test today or i have this project that I'm working on. And it was a way of bonding our children to, to, uh, to us. You know, uh, when we talk about what's going on in our lives, even though it was a short period of time, it was significant. And one day Jessica would be in charge of worship and she would decide what songs we were going to sing. And she would 
point out who was going to pray. And one, one day, Julian would be in charge of worship. And then one day, Elena, one day, I would be in charge. So we, we shared the worship so that it was active and it was personal and it was um, specific to, to the needs of each, each member of a family. So if you have young children at home, and especially during this COVID time when many of the children have had to come home for school, everybody's home. So that becomes a lot of pressure. But when you begin the day with the Spirit of God, with prayer, being reminded that God is with us, being reminded that He will supply all of our needs, this makes uh, a difference in our lives. I want to say one thing before we transition, and that is the Holy Spirit has given us something special during this COVID time that we've shared with families, and we want to share it with you. And that is uh, the message of Galatians uh, 5, uh, 22 and 23, that we all know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Well, (laughs) one day, because we started having uh, weekly television programs on Hope at Home with uh, Derek Morris on Hope Channel, and uh, we were thinking about different things to do, and the Spirit gave this to us, and he he said, you know, take a sheet of paper and put these, uh, you know, each of them, you know, love, joy, peace. There were nine of them. And then we, we put them in colors and put it up on our refrigerator and, and we started visualizing. And so for weeks now, after our family worship in the morning, we each ask each other, so what fruit are you going to live today? <laughs> you know, so we pick one, joy or peace or patience or kindness or gentleness. So each day we begin the day with God intentionally asking him to help us to be kind or to be gentle or to be patient or to be joyful or to be faithful. Um, We would encourage you to do that with your family members. Do it with your children. Do it with your spouse. If you begin the day, here we, what we, what we do know is that families who are well emotionally are families who are intentionally about being well emotionally. And if you pick a fruit and the spirit of God helps you, your family will find the kind of homeostasis and balance and, what would I say, sweetness that you will need to go through the day and not destroy each other in the process of the anxiety and the tension. So, Willie, let me follow up with two remarks on your fruits of the Spirit that are meaningful to me. There are the gifts of the Spirit that are some to one person and some to the other. But uh, a book that I read recently pointed out, really, the fruit of the Spirit are available to every single Christian. They, some of us will be stronger in some than the others, yeah. but they are available to every person, yes. uh, whereas the gifts of the Spirit do differ. Not everybody is supposed to be an evangelist, or, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. Second, second insight, that, that is that in, in, in my field of, of mission, that the fruit of the Spirit are absolutely vital in mission because this gives the sweetness and the, the attractiveness to the gospel to every person as they reach, especially think of Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists who need to yeah. be touched with the influence of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, putting that together, especially for missionaries during a time of, of stress like many are in right now, um, the world looks at us and says, what difference does your Christianity make? Yes. And how does, how does that affect your family? How does your family? And that doesn't need, none of us need to feel guilty if we don't feel like great warriors for Christ right now. Because we, we may be uh, in different places in our own personal experience. But, but the way we exemplify how uh, we respond to the difficulties is, is a way that, that shows the world uh, what kind of uh, what kind of depth Christ has built into us, and that's something we're always seeking more of. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to just mention a word to those parents who are uh, worried about their children's education. Maybe your kids came home from school with a pile of books, and you're supposed to be working through them, or maybe you're trying to get on the internet for something, and the internet doesn't work all that wonderfully well all the time. Um, don't worry too much. I remember the time when uh, we had taken back from furlough the set of uh, school books for the year. We had both fifth grade and sixth grade for our daughter uh, because furloughs were every two years. And uh, within just a few weeks of the beginning of school, she had all her books in a, in a, in a backpack and uh, left it in the car and they disappeared from the car. 
And so here we are at the beginning of fifth grade and we have absolutely no fifth grade books. So I said to her, well, we'll start in solely on the sixth grade ones, you know, and make it last for two years and try to make up the fifth grade. And to tell you the truth, she did very little that school year. In fact, it was the year in which I gave her control of the kitchen and she planned all the meals and did much of the cooking for that year, for, for, for several months there. And other activities like that. And at the end of that year, when she was tested, she had increased more than one could expect in her testing. And so I think parents should relax a little bit, keep the children active, engaged, keep the children focusing on the important. And I think that's what you've been talking to us about. Character growth is every bit as important as whether you have finished your math book or not. And uh, so if we can keep the focus on growing together as a family, spiritually and, uh, and joyfully in Christ. Relationally. relationally. Yep. It's, not, it's not as if God lays down a, law, a, a standard that says every child has to move this much <laughs> in education That's every right. single year. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we, right. we all grew, grow in fits and starts. <laughs> and sometimes we zoom ahead and that, that happens. I so appreciate what you're saying, Cheryl, because I wanted to piggyback on the question that Gordon asked earlier and you answered it about the parents worried about their kids schooling and they're not teachers. And you know what? Um, first of all, again, I strongly believe that God gives us more than we can ask or imagine. So again, I want to say to those moms out there, sometimes you don't feel equipped. You know, I remember there were days when Willie, when we moved here to Maryland, I thought I was a missionary. Again, I understand I'm not in a place where internet doesn't work and all of that, but everyone's experience is different. And he, we landed and he left you know, traveling for the North American division. And there were days that I, like, it seemed like everything would just fall apart because he wasn't here. And the kids would ask me these deep spiritual questions. You know, I remember our eight-year-old asking me, you know, mom, how do we know God really exists? I'm thinking, I'm not a theologian. I just know that I've always believed in God. What do I say to this kid? You know, and I remember just saying, oh yeah, you could pray about it. And I prayed, and, um, and I asked God to give me an answer. And I, I, I don't remember the answer I gave her, but it satisfied her. And I remember saying, thank you, Lord, for giving me that answer. And so, I, again, I want to stress, if we are people of faith, mm-hmm. as Cheryl said, how will our lives be different as Christians during this pandemic or in any crisis how do we handle it? So I don't want to underestimate the power of what God can do for us. And also remembering that, that's right, education-wise, you know what? The best education we can give our kids, if they're younger kids or even teenagers, is a, a strong spiritual foundation, building their character, and t- expecting them to learn skills around the house. I think, you know what? This is a great time. I'm sorry, I'm dating myself, but I've been telling parents this. Your kids can learn to do the laundry. They can learn to cook. They can learn to haul bricks. You know, I grew up with an aunt who during the summer, like, I don't know where this woman found it, but every summer we had dirt or bricks or something. We had to build a patio. I'm thinking, why couldn't we hire someone to build a patio? But she was like, you know what? You can learn how to build a patio. And um, so we can teach our children skills that are life skills that will um, benefit them in life in addition to reading. This is a good time for kids to go back to learning the, the love of reading um, continuing to do their math skills, um, basic math, you know. So I think that these are some of the things that we can focus on. And I totally agree with what you're saying, Cheryl, that they, they will catch up. They will, they will totally catch up. But the last thing I want to say is I don't want to underestimate those who might struggle with depression or anxiety. These are real issues um, that will create an additional challenge when um, faced with adversity or, you know, the stress of teaching when they don't know how to teach. And 
if you're, you don't have a counselor that's available to you, I will strongly suggest um, there are some techniques that you can learn to manage your anxiety, such as deep breathing, um, trying to get as much sleep, don't oversleep, but you know, your seven to eight hours, drinking water, exercising. Um, these are ways in which you can counteract depression and anxiety. Um, talk therapy is good, um, but if you don't have a therapist, this is where your spouse comes in. And if you have a spouse who's prone to depression, I would say to that husband or that wife, you may have to be the counselor for your spouse. And what that means is you have to be patient. You need to listen to them. Don't deny what they're going through. Just accept what they're going through and be there for them. This is a basic, this is a basic thing that we always teach, Cheryl teaches in Mission Institute, that spouses handle stress in different ways. Mm-hmm. And people go to a new place to serve and the one just zooms ahead and everything's going ahead and, and the other one says, why did we ever come here? What, what will I ever, how could I ever possibly relate to these people? And then a year later it reverses and say, <laughs> when can I go home? And the other, the other one starts feeling comfortable and happy to be there. And this is, a, this is just a, a, a part of, of, of understanding the reality of a good marriage relationship. Willie, I don't know if you, well, you may have something to add here, but I just, would you address also the anxieties of the larger community and, and, and extended family, you know, yes. that we're isolated from? Absolutely. Uh, so, you know what happens? Um, we are gregarious human beings. Uh, God made us that way. That means for fellowship. We're social human beings. Um, you know, sociologists will say we're social animals, but I don't believe we're animals, but, you know, we are social. Okay. And, uh, and, and so we're always trying to connect with each other. And this is a difficult time since um, for many, especially hugging, you can't hug your friends, especially in certain cultures. People are a lot more affectionate. And we all need to be touched. And we're touching a lot less people. And if you're single and out in the mission field, that, that could be very difficult. Here's an opportunity for you to, uh, to reach out to your loved ones, to your friends, to, uh, to a spiritual parent who can pray for you. Uh, use uh, Zoom or uh, FaceTime or whatever it is you have available to you that uh, you can reach out. If you can see people's faces, that would be a lot more significant than just listening to their voice or, or email. Uh, whatever you can do to enhance your communication with, with the outside world. And I would say even for families, uh, because we're in these close quarters, and as Elaine said, before the pandemic, we were living on the periphery. We were going to work, going to our office, kids were going to school, and now we're all together. And we can be together and still, in many ways, be lonely. Lonely for the need of um, privacy, lonely for the need of outlets with our friends, especially women with other women. So call your sister, call your girlfriend, you know, uh, see her on Zoom, talk and spend some time. And also I think it's important that the family has a schedule so that you all know where you're going together. Uh, And part of that schedule could be time alone. You know, you can ask for a half hour or an hour of private time, but put it in the schedule so that your spouse doesn't think that you're just pulling away or your children feel abandoned or, 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 or your parents feel that you're not interested in them. Have an agreement, have a conversation, have a family meeting and talk about what your needs are. What do I need today? Uh, or what do I need in my schedule every day? To go for a walk in the fresh air and depending on where you are, you have to be careful and make sure that you're staying safe. But uh, you want to do all these things that you possibly can socially to mitigate the fog that will come because of this pandemic. There's a text in scripture that I like to also use because what has happened in these close quarters and uh, being with each other 24-7, working, eating, playing, going to school, all in the same space, and some of us have smaller spaces than others, and the smaller the spaces, the more confined we feel and the more uh, frustrated we might become. And when we're interacting with each other, and that's a big deal, communication, the way we communicate and the, uh, the culture of communication that we developed during COVID is very important. 
I'd like to encourage you uh, to go to James 1.19 and the part that says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. I mean, what a powerful psychological message right there in the Word of God. Everyone, not just father or mother or children, everyone, regardless of your culture. I love the culture of the Word of God. You know, it's not, I'm the husband, so I don't have to listen to anyone. You listen to me. I'm the big guy here, or I'm the mother. No, it's everyone quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to be angry. If we can keep these concepts, these, these, these messages in mind as we interact with each other, we will have a much better space, a much better time, and recognizing uh, I, I, I have three promises that I like to talk about all the time. Uh, Matthew 28, 20, God's promise to be with us always. So we're not alone. He says, I'll be with you always until the end of the age. And it's not yet the end of the age. So he's still with us. I also like uh, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I love uh, the text at the very beginning of that of that chapter, that's an Adventist chapter, John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. But the third promise that I really like is the one found in Philippians 4, 19, for my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So the question today is, what do you need? I don't know what you need, but God knows, and he's promised to supply. If you need patience, he will supply if you need knowledge, wisdom to help your kids, to guide them in their schoolwork, he will supply. If you need to, to, to be kinder and gentler in your approach, he will supply. If you're afraid about resources, financial resources and other stuff like that, he will supply. So it doesn't matter what your need is. Our God is big enough to supply all of those needs. So we need to trust him and keep trusting. That's why we're out there in the mission field. Regardless of what we're doing, we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing evangelistic meetings or not, we're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way we live, by the way we relate to each other, by the way we approach crisis. And in crisis is where we know, where we see the real person come up. Here's an opportunity to trust God every day to develop a closer relationship with him. Don't go all the way out to the mission field and allow crisis to diminish your faith in God. This is an opportunity to build your faith muscle. The more you use your faith on purpose, the more it grows and the more at peace your family will be. Thank you. That, <laughs> we could stop right there, but I have a couple other questions uh, for, for you. One is just thinking about that work. You know, work has been interrupted for many people. And for some people, I mean, we have a lot of people in the mission field who are, who are working in the medical institutions. Their work may actually have grown. There may be actually even more short of supplies than normal. Uh, so there may be the stresses of work. For others of us, um, it may be that our work has, has changed because of uh, we've had to bring it home. And here we're sitting in an apartment in a big city someplace, and we have kids that are on school internet, and, and mom and dad each have, are trying to carry on work, you know, in different corners of the, of the apartment, uh, or anything in between those kinds of extremes. For some people, they're wondering, uh, schools, for example, are they going to open up this Will I have a, a reason to go to work this fall? And, and so getting the work done, you know, I, it's, it's great to say I, I, I will grow in my, um, my inner world and my witness through my life and the way I interact. But most of us go uh, to the mission field to do a job. And now that job's been, been interrupted. How do we respond to that? Either, anybody? You know, I, I, I hear you and I resonate with that. And um, I want to be sensitive to what these missionaries may be going through because there's so many issues that are converging at once. The, the fear, the anxiety, the uncertainty. And then usually when the, those types of crises occur, we, again, we have distractions but now you don't even have the distraction of what you were called to do. So the first thing that, the second thing that's attacked now is our purpose in life. 
and struggling with trying to figure out now what is our, our purpose? Mm-hmm. You know, it's our purpose that gets us up every day. It's our purpose that motivates us and that gets us moving. So, oh, if I don't have that, what is my purpose? Willie just said it, I think. Mm-hmm. We really have to hunker down now and ask God to reveal to us. I think it it is a new opportunity and all of us, regardless of where we are, should be asking God, what would you have us to do? Because maybe I thought this was my purpose, mm-hmm. but hmm, God, maybe you have a different purpose for me for such a time as this. You know, I have been reminded in this pandemic over and over again that this world is not our home. And perhaps God is creating a discomfort. And I'm not over-spiritualizing this because if we're spiritual people, there's no such thing as over-spiritualizing something. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that this is an opportunity for us to figure out, maybe God is saying, I need to spend more time with my family. Maybe God has gifted us mm-hmm. with an opportunity to be a better spouse, a better father, a better mother. And um, maybe God is saying, that is your purpose right now, to figure out how we can live out his purpose in our lives. And I'm telling you, um, I will go back to Willie and I. Willie and I had to learn 10 years ago how to work together. For (laughs) the first 20 years of our marriage, first 25 years of our marriage, we had a great marriage, right? Because we spent 15 hours a day apart and maybe even sometimes days apart. So it was great. We were able to say, yeah, we have disagreements, but we figure them out. And then we had to learn to work together 24-7. Okay, I know most of you have to do that. We didn't. So that was our journey. That's been our challenge, is how do we work together 24-7 and stay married? (laughs) All right, now bring the pandemic. And we're literally like together all the time. And we've had to step up that understanding of how we can love each other deeper and, and get to know each other more. And so I would say to you families, um, draw closer to God and, and ask God how he wants you to live out your purpose. And maybe this is your purpose. And I believe that we all are going to emerge out of this if we take advantage of it, if we're intentional about what's happening to us to um, grow stronger in our relationship with God and with each other, then we will, we will figure out how to, um, what to do with it. And also, how do we um, figure out maybe there are other things that we can do to witness to people. Um, Again, we had our neat little package, and this is how we work as Christians. We get neat little packages, and oh yeah, I'm being a really great Christian today because I've I've checked off these boxes. And now God is giving us an opportunity to explore how we can live out his purpose and glorify him. Now we had one comment come through that suggested that maybe um, uh, we're restricted to living today instead of so much in the future, you know, and yet this can be a problem because one of our children has just graduated from high school. What are they going to do for college next year? What, how, do, they, do they leave home? Do they go stay in the dorm? You know, how does that happen? Or uh, we, we have a, planning for our annual leave, a family reunion sometime. Well, now can we even go to that? Or now we can't even take our annual leave. So planning can't happen in the same way anymore, can it? It's true. But I have two uh, verses, two uh, passages of scripture as, as my last contribution before we take some specific questions and answers. And that is Matthew six thirty four. It says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
of course, this is Jesus who is speaking as part of the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. And he's the reason for our being. He's the reason why we're in the mission field. He says, do not be anxious about anything. So whether it's college for our kids, whether it's the next steps, whether it's whatever is going to happen, says, don't worry about it. Leave it to me. And the other one is uh, in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know what else to tell you. I I know that for me, there's so much hope. There's so much peace when I read the Word of God. So go back and read the Word of God. Be anxious for nothing. Mm -hmm. But in everything, everything, kids, college, whatever transitions you need, whatever your anxieties are, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with thanksgiving. In other words, before you become depressed, just thank God that you're alive. Just thank God that you may not have COVID. Look, you know, we know many people who have died of COVID. We're from New York. If we're from New York, you know people who've died from COVID, okay? So, and people who are sick, and people who are in distress. Ask God, Wow, I'm alive today. I have food. I have shelter. You know, I have an opportunity to live for you. Be anxious about nothing. That's my message. I know Gordon and I had had COVID back in March and early April, and um, we would wake up in the morning as as we started to recover, just giving thanks every morning that uh, that we were recovering, that we were alive. You know, every day is a gift, and yeah, and we praise God for that for that gift, uh, and we. We mourn with those who have lost as well. Here's a question that has come through for us. How strong is the impact of social environment on the marriage couple in the pandemic? And I I do know there has been, like in uh, some of our, our relatives have said, you know, one spouse wants to really do the mask and all the social distancing stuff. And the other spouse says, oh, well, oh, well. <laughs> and the social environment, or I, we have another family member that lives in a place where they want to, the family itself wants to be very careful during the pandemic. But um, the families around them, their the children's friends and their church friends are much less concerned about uh, social distancing and so on. So how does the social environment impact us during this uh, pandemic? I, I'm back to the I'm back to the Word of God. You know, um, how do we make those choices, though? Yeah, I, we 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 have to make those choices, uh, and I, I I would say that as a family, we need to try to be as cohesive as possible. Yeah, live together. We're in our say. household. We need to be mindful of the fact that uh, we need to to make choices that will keep our family safe. This is no yeah. time to be taking chances. Um, we have uh, many friends in the Washington, D.C. area that are having missing graduations and birthdays and all kinds, even weddings, and uh, they want us to do drive-bys. We had a friend who had a wedding in, in April, uh, uh, the child of a friend who was getting married, and the minister could not come, and, well, you know, everyone was on lockdown, and they asked me if I would do the wedding, and they were going to go... Uh, to the parking lot of a church and of course there was a grandmother involved and I said look you live in a nice place here in Maryland I've been to their home many times you have a beautiful backyard they even had a pool in the backyard and I said why don't you just stay at home uh, just the family members so your grandmother can just she lives with them she could just stay on the porch and watch the the wedding without being affected or being concerned that she's going to be infected I said to them I will come but I will wear a mask I said, I will come. I will not. I will not come through the front door. I've been to your home. I'll come around the side. I'll meet you in the backyard and I will not shake anyone's hand and I will just keep my mask on. I told the, the groom and the bride what they were supposed to do. I said, you stay 10 feet away from me. I'm going to speak. They had set up a microphone and everything. I spoke. I prayed for them. I blessed them. They had a wonderful wedding and they had a little gathering afterwards i said i'm not going to stay for your gathering this was back in in april when the thing was just heating up here in the u.s 
I said, I'm going to wave at you and I'm going to go back through the side gate, back to my car and I will pray for you. So we were able to come, but you know, you have to be judicious. Uh, you can't just throw caution to the wind. Some families are doing that. You need to make decisions for your family. As a family, talk to each other. Uh, go back to your values and what is it you believe in and what, why is it that God has you there. You need to be as safe as you possibly can be. That will be our, our counsel. Be safe. Yeah, you know, yeah. don't put your God, you know, don't, you know, Satan said to Jesus when he was in the wilderness during uh, 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 his fast, you know, throw yourself down because God will send his angels to, to hold you up. And he said, do not tempt your God with foolishness. So do not tempt God with foolishness. Don't go out there and, and, and throw caution to the wind. You can't see the virus. It's real. People are dying. More than 115,000 have died in the United States. We know it's real. We know people who've died. You don't need to die. There is life after the wedding. And so, your children yeah, need you they, and your spouse needs you. Okay. Yeah. The other thing real quickly is that you just need to, as a couple, you just need to respect each other because yeah. again, you're going to feel differently and you need to respect each other and try to, 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 to accommodate each other. So, so that one doesn't feel that the other one is um, getting everything, you know, you need to try to accommodate each other. And be supportive of the other's needs, whatever they are. And be supportive of the other's needs. Like Willie wears gloves and, and masks and I wear masks. I never remember to wear gloves, you know, and when we go to the grocery store. Yeah. Well, you know, some, some, many of our missionaries are in places that have denied that there's any COVID, even though it's around and, and we know that it's killing people and it's hard sometimes to go against the community. But I think yeah. you're absolutely right that we have to uh, protect our family and just do and just make the decision together as a family. Uh, we've had a question here about about homeschooling uh, for the children, and I would just want to mention that the next webinar that we'll have in a few weeks' time will be about homeschooling. So please, if you're interested in that, please ch uh, check in on that one. And uh, the last question here we'll be able to take is to couples who live in an intergenerational household. Um, and that, that it can be difficult, but I, I would just say that the GC Health Ministries Department has put out a lot of materials on uh, good health practices for various situations. So if you go into the Health Ministries uh, website at uh, .adventist.org, you will find many of those weekly updates on the, on the COVID uh, crisis. So intergenerational households, I think um, we just have to be very, very sensitive to the needs of our elders. And uh, sometimes that's going to mean restricting our children's activities just because of the elders. And that's hard for kids sometimes to understand. Um, but I think uh, following, following the good health principles you know, that we can, and as Willie, you have emphasized so well for us, the, the trust in God that comes from spending time in his word and understanding uh, that he is with us in every kind of crisis. Mm -hmm.